podcast on digitizing enterprise asset management, developing intelligent interactions, and building systems of intelligence for asset operations. For industry professionals who work in EAM and facilities management across transportation, public sector, utilities, manufacturing, and large enterprises. So today on the intelligent asset, using artificial intelligence to automate business processes. Welcome back to part two. I'm joined by Libby and Johannes from IBM. And we're going to continue the conversation uh, from part one, talking about the automation of different processes using AI. Um, Johannes, you you mentioned something in part one around trust being uh, quite important, and I and I guess equally um, transparency has become uh, an issue in terms of popular. Uh, culture, if you like, in relation to what has happened in recent times around chat GPT. So, um, Johannes, maybe you want to talk about the importance of trust and, and transparency in an asset-intensive environment, and then Libby, you can pick up on the subject. Oh, absolutely. So, in I think in any environment where you're deploying new technology, especially something as new as uh, AI, uh, there's always going to be hesitancy in terms of how well is this um, new piece of uh, software working? How well is the AI making the right judgment calls? And can we then understand what decisions that it's made before uh, to drive the outcome that the AI has uh, come up with? So until that happens everyone's always going to second guess the AI, right? Did it make the right call? Hang on a second. I'm going to do my own calculations and look at my own research and say, okay, yes, it did line up or no, it didn't line up. And that's where the problem starts to come in, right? When it doesn't line up, then you've got the big question of who was wrong, the AI or the human. And the human's always going to think that we're right because um, our brains are more powerful than the AI. We've got years of experience. We've got exposure to different um, experiences as well, um, dealing with different types of equipment. For example, uh, a technician who has been out there uh, in the field servicing a particular type of equipment uh, for the last 25 years. Uh, some of our uh, customers have uh, people who've been doing the job for 50 years, right? They look at the piece of equipment without even having to see or hear or touch anything. They know what's wrong with it because they've just had so much experience and knowledge around that particular piece of equipment. The AI is not going to be able to do that. The AI is going to need data. And that data just backs up and provides evidence that what this 50-year uh, uh, of experience that this engineer has is spot on because even though he doesn't know uh, the specific data points that he's looking for that uh, comes up, it's his intuition, his gut feel, the AI is going to be able to explain that. And that's where the explainability, the transparency, that trust comes in, right? And once you've got that, uh, the, uh, the ability to build out on that quicker and faster and more pervasive throughout the organization just uh, blossoms. Yeah, that's great. Really, really great point. Um, and, and it's like people, I think they tended to not 
like in the past, maybe a year ago, they tended not to trust AI. And when I'm thinking of AI, I'm thinking about chatbots as well. They have uh, they have this. They've probably had a bad experience in the past, and that has broken their trust. And and that that comes with anything. So when people think of their um, the expectations that they have for for a product or a solution, it's based on their last best experience as well. So if you do not meet that um, that experience, then they lose trust immediately. So when we're um, when we've seen ChatGPT come out, people were very very trusting of it from the beginning because it was able to answer their questions or or generate a song i heard someone on, <laughs> i overheard someone talking about that on a bus telling his friend how how cool it is that's how i knew um this thing was was popular so when you hear people talking about it on the bus um <laughs> yeah they, they started to trust it a lot because it was able to do what they expected it to do or or exceed expectations but then as, yeah. as weeks go on, you start to see the news articles come out of how people were affected badly from what it was producing. And I, I have a little story from one of my colleagues here. Um, he, he came over to me and he's like, oh, have you, have you tested out BARD? I'm like, no, uh, is this another large language model? I haven't tested it out yet. He's like, oh, okay. And he goes and tells me uh, this really long story about how he trusted it and then it moved to distrust very quickly. So he, he asked it to, to give him uh, reports of what was happening in, in a small town um, up north. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, Openoni. Openoni. I'm, I'm from Fangare, so I should remember it. It's nearby up north. Openoni. And he, he thought, oh, we'll, we'll, give, we'll give it a go, see what it knows. And and so I came back with these these news reports, and one of them was was pretty normal, very very related to recent events of um, of of flooding. And so I was like, oh yeah yeah, there there was a um, the wharf was was broken because of flooding. Yeah, I I I, I, I trust that. And then the next one was that there was a fire, and he's like, oh, around the same time as flooding, that that doesn't sound quite right. And then the 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 next story was that. They had found, hopefully this is okay to say on a podcast, but um, they had found a, a dead body. And so he thought, wow, that's, that's pretty serious. Um, and he actually then started to think, oh, uh, I'm not trusting it too much um, at this point. It's a pretty bold allegation. Um, similar, I guess, with with um, Johannes's story around asset maintenance. You know, if they, they come up with a, a recommendation for something that's really important, People tend to be a little bit mistrusting, but if they've had a good experience, then they'll, you know, give it a, a little bit of slack. And so my colleague went and, and asked uh, Google, you know, was there any dead bodies found <laughs> in Openoni? And he couldn't find any any news articles about it. Hmm. So he was like, oh. So in, in theory, it, it made it up. Yeah, that's that's where I was getting to. Really, was is that it? He went back and he asked, you know, did you make this up? And it said, oh, you know, sometimes I do that. Um, and then, <laughs> and so then his trust <laughs> hit the floor. Really, you know, I was just lowering lowering my arm very dramatically for people who are just listening. So yeah, um, that's when oh, yeah. the, the trust starts to break um, in other use cases as well around AI. I guess that's. Uh... A question in the context of New Zealand. I my experience is that there's 
relatively little in the way of digital data out there compared to other countries where there's just volumes, screeds more information that is in the public domain. Are there any particular um, barriers to the adoption of AI in the New Zealand context, um, particularly around unstructured data? Um, I guess barriers, even, yeah, with unstructured data as well, it's, it's people just finding it hard to, and, and I think we talked about this in part one as well, is, is, is getting access to that unstructured data as well. Sometimes it's, it's kind of in legacy systems, so it's hard to, to get it out and, and put it into something more modern. Um, yeah. I guess part of the reason why I asked that question is, is yeah. there are probably, <laughs> probably only <laughs> five newspaper reports in Openoni. Um, so oh, it's not like it was a large data set <laughs> for Bard to be able to, um, uh, you know, interrogate. Yeah, yeah so, that's, that's true. Well, this is trained on the, the internet as well, and it may not even, I, I don't know what Bard uses for their training data, but, um, yeah, it's it's only it's a large amount of data. So they really try and limit it <laughs> as much as possible. Otherwise it actually is bad for the environment to, to be um, storing and processing all of this data for something so trivial. Um, but yeah, the, it's, it's true. There is kind of like a data divide in, in, in different uh, countries or even communities um, like indigenous populations as well. Um, that data is, very um, misrepresented, but also if we're going into data sovereignty discussion as well, it, it is not something that people actually want other people to have access to and then to be used for um, financial gain or used in the wrong way or whatever. So, yeah, the, the, uh, there's lots of different conversations that you can have of, of barriers. Sometimes it's, it's barriers in the data. Sometimes it's barriers of trust. Sometimes it's barriers of... Um, you know, people just don't want to, they just don't want you to have that, that data or they don't want, it is actually not ethically right to be um, automating a process or a person's job like we're seeing in, in the US. I know it's not a New Zealand example, but it could probably be coming here soon as the, the, the writers on, um, on like Netflix and, and Amazon, they're all striking at the moment. I um, haven't been keeping up to date on it. That Hopefully the, the strikes are, um, have come to a good conclusion, but it's it's something that they could c- completely replace their jobs, and so they're taking a stand at the moment to to stop that. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of different barriers. Yeah, but the counter to that is also the fact that uh, AI should be taking over the more mundane activities of your day to day, so you can focus on the higher mm. value stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And th- and that's what we talk about augmented intelligence. So I have a colleague that was asking people what does AI stand for? And he tricked them in saying, No, it actually stands for augmented intelligence. So it's it's not um replacing somebody's role. It's it's about yeah, making those main de- mundane tasks like in, in chatbot land, you um replace the repetitive questions that People get sick of answering day in, day out, and they just want to spend time on providing a really delightful experience or conversation with somebody. So, yeah, it's it's not about replacing, but yeah. people can and use it for bad as well. They can. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And we're seeing the same thing happen in the asset intensive space, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got um, lots of hype around uh, Boston Dynamics with Spot oh, the yeah, Dog. Spot. I don't know if you've seen yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, they've been around yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, robotic Dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been around New Zealand. They've done a roadshow for Australia and it's a very, very popular um, uh, piece of equipment. Now, what we've learned from Spot is that Spot can replace a technician's role in doing the very mundane, doing the site walks every day, taking meter readings, checking for defects, looking if the gate has been closed. You know, it's got all that capability that is carrying on its bed, on its back, on its head, uh, take pictures, do heat sensing, use the camera to take a picture of the meter, uh, the, the, dis- the gauge, and then uh, using visual uh, AI to convert that gate that physical gauge into a digital representation to say the meters read the meter is showing you at um, 47% or something like that right so now what do you have what what are your technicians doing they're not doing rounds anymore they're going to spend their time on high value activities which is spot said that there's a defect over here i'll send a technician out and work on that rather than 60, 70% of his day doing the basic, just doing rounds. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. The mundane that you mentioned, but also the dangerous as well. So, yeah, we're working with a company. It was a long time ago in my consulting days, but, yeah, they were going, they're using robots to to go into very tight, confined environments where they maybe people cannot actually physically fit in there. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's... It, some of those those things that are dangerous or mundane should definitely be replaced so that they can focus on actually the end goal, which is making sure that it's it's fit for purpose or is working correctly. Uh, you know, so so when we're talking about trust and transparency, um, one of the more potential insidious things that could happen is that you're subject to some form of cyber attack, which affects your um, use of artificial intelligence. Um, what are some of the precautions or uh, ways in which you know you need to be wary of cybersecurity in relation to the deployment yeah, of AI? Great questions. Uh, so, in terms of cybersecurity, you need to make sure that if you are using any type of application for doing something that's very serious, um, like making a decision or um, it's not an asset maintenance um, example, but if you're looking at, if you're automating like a hiring process and you've got very, um, very specific data about people, very sensitive data in the HR space, you need to make sure that your data is secure. So it's in a, a trusted place. It's got all of the cybersecurity um, standards. And you have to make sure that you're using applications as well that are certified for that. So it is very helpful to be using something like IBM's technology as well, where we're very, um, very conscious and and we meet all of the cybersecurity standards and we keep that locked down. So don't put your data in a a third-party application that's usually free (laughs) or that you don't trust um, or hasn't been around for very long. Um, Yeah, don't share your your data in in spreadsheets either. Don't email them around (laughs) as much as possible. Have them in a system. 
where it's secure. Johannes, do you have anything to add on that? I know it's not your area of expertise. Similar. Yeah, I was just yeah, I I was just going to say that uh, you've hit a couple of good points there, and uh, the point around decision making. Uh, I would say from a while we're very influenced by the movies and what we see on TV in terms of what AI can do and what uh, hacking into a computer system will do. Uh, I think most use cases for AI today um, is all around decision-making. Uh, I haven't come across a situation where AI is in full control of an automated system. Uh, say, for example, in a water uh, utility where the AI is actually controlling the opening and closing of valves, right? It's usually uh, AI is being used to give you a forecast, help you make a decision, should you open the gates or should you close the valves by um, how many percent uh, to help uh, regulate the steady flow of uh, water and just ensuring that isolation is there where you do still have someone in charge of actually pushing the big red button rather than letting the computer do it for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very conservative approach. To automating where right? I'm sure a lot of people would want to automate the entire process which we are seeing these days but yeah you need to think about what is the implications if something were to go wrong and what what um what safety measures do you have in place to making sure that doesn't happen uh, absolutely and that's why uh, we look at things like the defense industry um they will have they they have lots of IT systems, but uh, depending on the situation and the particular projects, they're uh, completely isolated from any form of network. The machines will run on an isolated, closed network uh, without any external uh, ability to influence. And and just because that's the nature of uh, what they need from both data security as well as the ability for um, external uh, inputs affecting the performance and the operations of that uh, particular business. So maybe to summarize then, uh, Johannes, you know, so you were talking about data governance, data quality, um, cybersecurity. You know, what would be your kind of checklist of things that are important to get right as you approach the adoption of uh, some form of artificial intelligence and or automation? Well, I think I'd start with uh, understanding and getting your strategy right, right? Uh, what is it that you're looking to automate? What is it that you're looking for AI to help you uh, improve upon? Uh, and it'll, that's, that's the first step because you don't know what you don't know and uh, you can only see if we can get the AI to help us with this piece, some other aspects might open itself up and op new opportunities start to present itself uh, and you can take it from there. But at the very least, you want to be able to stay, you know, this is where we want to go with AI. This is what we're trying to achieve uh, and follow that. The second thing is your change management, right? Um, there's always going to be resistance to a new adoption of any technology. And so making sure you bring the the, the rest of the people on board and along the journey so they can see what's going on. They can provide their inputs, um, give guidance, help us course correct as necessary um, before we reach the end and then everything kind of falls apart because no one's been consulted. Um, people who are technophobic, for example, might be pushing back on 
uh, a lot of the adoption of this new technology, while um, others will say, yeah, let's bring it on, let's do more. Uh, you've got to weigh a lot of those um, and find that nice balance. Yeah. And just to, to quickly add on to that, Sam, um, we have some resources online called Design Thinking, for, and there's uh, some special um, focuses on AI as well. So design thinking for AI essentials, which take you through the the process of really starting a, a AI um, project and, and taking you through everything that you need to think about. So there's some really good resources out there um, that will take you through just what Johannes had mentioned. So I guess uh, to summarize, uh, people, process, and technology go hand in glove. So. Absolutely. It's very important. All right. Um, thank you both for your time and uh, your insights. Um, for more information, uh, as Libby was uh, mentioning, there are a set of resources and uh, access to information in the links below. Thanks both. <laughs>